right, well, we are in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. And last week, we left off on this incredible high where the Lord's ministry has been announced. The heavens opened. God cried out from the heavens, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove, descended upon Him, and just announcing to the whole world that this is the Messiah, the one that you've been waiting for, the King of Kings. And we're going to go from that mountaintop experience now down to something that is completely opposite, something that is much harder, a greater trial. And so we're going to be in verses 1 through 4, if I can find the right spot, of chapter 4 as we continue our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for the trials that you've gone through and show us and aid us through our trials. We pray, Lord, that we would be growing in you through your word this morning and that we would leave here with a better understanding of who you are and how you want us to live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read verses 1 through 4 together. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's a couple important things we want to point out right away. And that is that the Holy Spirit is leading the Lord Jesus into the desert. And this is important because some of us, we're going through a dry, difficult time. We feel empty. We feel like the Lord's not close to us. We feel like the circumstances and the surroundings, maybe your bank account or your health, maybe your emotions or your mental well-being. And you may say, Lord, why are you punishing me? Why have you abandoned me? Why are you leaving me? But that's not the case here. It's the Holy Spirit that's leading Jesus into this place. And sometimes that's the same thing with us. I want to tell you, though, that the opposite is just as true. Your bank account could be full. You could be feeling great. Your relationships could be rocking and rolling, and the Lord could be nowhere to be found because you're not walking with Him. We, just, we put too much emphasis on our feelings and our surroundings and our emotions on whether we're close to the Lord or not. And so that's the first thing I wanted to point out. I also want to inoculate us from a couple of things. I want to point out a few things. A lot of pastors will lead in this section of Scripture, and they'll say, well, I have five ways to resist temptation. And later in the study, we're going to talk about why that just doesn't work. That's not good. That's not what we want to be talking about here. Or they'll talk about the 40 days that Jesus fasted, and they want to focus on what that does to the body and the anatomy and how difficult that is on a person. That's not what this chapter is about. That's just the wrong place to focus. Fascinating, I give you that. Interesting, yes, but that's not what the Lord's trying to show us here. No, He's being led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, the dry places, where He is being tested one-on-one by Satan himself. What's fascinating, though, is why? Does Jesus need to be tested so that God can know that Jesus is His Son? No, remember in the previous chapter, it's been declared. What about Jesus? Does he need to know? Does he need to go through this testing? No, absolutely not. If you remember in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus is found in the temple as a young man, very young at age, he says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? He's he's always known what this is about. So the question is, why is he going through this? And we're going to talk about that through these chapters. 
We need to know, however, from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, we're going to use this verse a lot through the Gospel of Matthew. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus Spoiler alert, he's going to be victorious through these three temptations that he's going through. But he knows what it is to be dry, to be hungry, to be in places of great need. And we're going to be focusing on that, but he is in all those testing and temptations, he has been perfect and without sin. He never fails. And notice as he goes through this first temptation, I love how the Bible says, and he was hungry. Yeah, after 40 days, I bet. I bet. And I think too many people read into that too far. Well, you know, after 25 days, you have no hunger. And by the time you have, you're hungry again, that means you're at the point of starvation. Maybe not the point. What's the point here? Jesus can turn those stones into bread. He can. He's going to later in different ways. Now, God can deliver him at any time. There's no argument there. Jesus is, Satan isn't saying to him, well, you know, you probably could do this. You should try it. And Jesus is not saying, well, I can't do that, so it doesn't really matter. No, he can do it, but he doesn't. What does he do, though? Jesus responds back to him in verse 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Lord doesn't use any supernatural power to resist this temptation. He can. He uses what is freely available to you and I, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, because He is a man, just like any other. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says that we Christians are to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this is something that we should be doing. But I said earlier, it's a fallacy when a pastor goes, well, five tips to resist temptation, 10 steps to resisting temptation, because we are forgetting that this is the Messiah. This is the King of Kings. This is God in the flesh, the hypostatic union. This is through Him. All things consist that exist. When the Lord spoke everything into existence, He used the Word. He spoke it into existence. In fact, we need to remember what it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I, I keep repeating that this chapter is not about how we resist temptation because we can't do it. We will fail every time. But Jesus is victorious. He is the Word of God in the flesh, manifested for you and I. And we are not. See, Jesus is tested in the desert for our benefit. He is sifted and He is stretched to the extreme so that we can see when He makes this glorious claim that I'm going to die for all of your sins and then I'm going to come back to life to show you that that salvation is true. He's showing us here in the desert that He can do the impossible. He can go where we can't go. He can do what we can't do. He is the King of Kings. 
But he's also showing us something that's very important for his ministry. That he's not coming as a conquering king. But that he will be victorious through the spirit and the word of God as a suffering servant. We think that that's mutually exclusive. Like you can only be victorious as a ruler. And he's showing us that we can be victorious as a servant. See, the Lord is submitting to God the Father. He's submitting to the Spirit. He's being led into the desert. And He is being sifted for us and tested so that we can see, that we can trust Him, that we can seek Him out. So filled with the Spirit and the Word of God, now He has another temptation that He's going to go through. Verses 5 through 7, Then the devil took Him up into the holy city, set Him on the pinnacle of the temple, And said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You shall not test God. If any one of us was able to snap our fingers... And anything that we wanted could happen. If if you were hungry, you could have food. If you were in pain, you could wipe it away. Your physical ailments, everything, you could just take care of it in an instant. How long would it take for you to be start snapping your fingers? Like all of two minutes. I mean, I get hungry like three hours in after a meal. I'm already a mean person. I mean, and then you get me hot. Like coming out of a hot attic or out here and, you know, after a long run and I'm hungry, I am a different animal entirely. Yet the king of kings, he's 40 days in the desert without food, without air conditioning, without a tent, without any comfort of any kind. And now he's just been placed on the temple. Previously, the devil said, hey, just turn these stones into bread and you can get rid of that hunger. And the Lord said, you shall live by the bread. But not by bread alone, but by the word of God. Now he's being put on the temple, we believe, and saying, hey, just jump off. Angels will come rescue you because you're the king of kings. And if it were us, we'd be like, snap them fingers. We would have been four hours in and we would have already compromised. Here he's 40 days and he says, you shall not test the Lord your God. Now, how many times in our flesh do we say, Lord, you prove yourself to me? Lord, why did you allow this to happen? Lord, you need to do this, and then I'll believe you. Then I'll serve you. Jesus is the exact opposite. Whatever you say, Lord, I'm obedient to him. Whatever happens, I'm not going to tempt him, not going to test him. If it's his will, I'll stay here. I'll wait. In fact, this portion of Scripture, as I was studying it, was incredibly difficult for me to sit down and just start writing. Because I do not like approaching the Lord this way, and I definitely don't like this mirror in front of me that shows me how big of a failure I really am. Because I like to approach the Lord like a a conquering warrior, like, Lord, look what we did together. Oh, Lord, look at this. Aren't we doing so good? And in this position, the Lord is victorious, and I am so weak. I am so bad at it. I cannot resist temptation, at least at a certain level. Every time, failure. Fun fact, we are not Jesus. We cannot go undefeated against sin. He can. In fact, what does the Bible tell us about resistant temptation? I I told you this wasn't going to be a 10-step, five-step sermon on how to defeat it. 
but I will give you what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. We all go through it. But God is faithful. Yeah, God is faithful, not us. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That is not a period there. That is a comma because it continues. It says, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The only way that we can be successful against temptation is to run, run, run away. We cannot resist it like the Lord can. And that's why it's a fallacy when too many pastors are teaching, oh, 10 steps to resist temptation. The only 100% successful way is to run away from it. The Bible tells us in Romans, make no provision for the flesh. The key then is where to run. We are to run to the Lord. We are to run to Him because He can conquer and He is successful where we are not. Where we are weak, He is strong. And that's why it says in James chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can't resist the devil. You can't. You can't resist temptation. That's why you're so much of a failure. Every time we go to the Lord with regret, Oh, Lord, I messed up again. I'm just the worst one you have. I'm the worst one you got, Lord. Oh, I did it again, Lord. I slipped and fell. And we keep coming to Him and we have this attitude of failure. And it's because we keep trying to win on our own. You can't resist temptation anymore on your own. Then you can be saved on your own. He is victorious. Now, Jesus replies here in Deuteronomy 6.16, earlier in Deuteronomy 8.3, then the third temptation will be Deuteronomy 6.13. When we talk about this guilt and this shame of failure, we want to run and hide from the Lord when really we should be running to the Lord. I said earlier, I like to come to the Lord like as the tough guy, the victorious one. Really, I need to come to him like my young son does to me when he's scared at night. Just jumping in his lap, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, help me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, comfort me. Lead me. Strengthen me. Teach me. Forget the shame and the guilt. Forget the failure, the anxiety. Forget the pride that you may have, thinking that you somehow did something. Oh, Lord, I was victorious today in him. Only through his victory. Only in God. We need to be running to the Lord. Jesus is now victorious the second time. And I want to point out from the text before we go to the third one. As he's standing on top of that temple, every single part of it, every brick, every uh, piece of furniture, every article of clothing, the table of showbread, the veil, the Ark of the Covenant, all of it is an illustration, a shadow of who he is. All of that exists for him. And so when Satan brings him on top of it and says, hey, jump off, angels will save you. Yeah, they will. But the Lord resists. You shall not test the Lord your God. And so finally, in verses 8 through 11, it says again, The devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you shall serve. 
Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. I want to point out that these three temptations that the Lord is tempted with are three things that Adam had in the garden. He had unlimited resources and food in the garden. He had to walk in the counsel of God as he walked in the coolness of the day. I personally believe, it's just my opinion, that when he's walking with God in the coolness of the day, he's walking with Jesus himself because no man can see God the Father and live. And then third, when Satan says to Jesus, you can have all the kingdoms of the world if you just worship me, don't forget that Adam was given dominion over every animal and all of the land when he was in the Garden of Eden. He had the control of everything. He was there to steward it for God. He lost all those things through sin. And now we have Jesus being tempted with those things that he is going to restore, not through compromise and sin and failure, but through submission, through the Word of God, through the Spirit, as he ultimately is going to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin and reconcile us to God. And that's what's spoken of in Romans chapter 5. We're going to read quite a bit. We're going to read Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, as this is explained in more detail that Jesus is the last Adam, and that Adam, we've all sinned through him, he's the first Adam. In Romans 5, 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. That's important. That's why we had to read that first few verses. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one's man offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And now we read in verses 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, it's kind of complicated if you're just sifting through the verses, but through sin brought death into the world, and every man dies. It's appointed to a man one to die and then to judgment. And it's because of that first fall that all of us are living in the sin-cursed world that we are now. But Jesus came to reconcile us, to bring all things new, that through faith alone and Christ alone, everyone shall be saved. Now, I want to be crystal clear. 
This work in the testing of the desert, we're not justified by that. Remember, it's just a proof to show us who he is. It's his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection that saves us from our own sinful nature because we will fall. In fact, let's go to my friend Warren Wiersbe because he is so good at just summarizing these things. He, he says this. He says, Adam made, met Satan in a beautiful garden, but Jesus met him in a terrible wilderness. Adam had everything he needed, but Jesus was hungry after 40 days of fasting. Adam lost the battle and plunged humanity into sin and death, but Jesus won the battle and went on to defeat Satan in more battles, culminating in his victory, his final victory on the cross. That's why we flee to the Lord, because he's able. When we are weak, he is made strong. He is tested and tempted. He's been through the highest highs and the lowest lows. He knows what it is to be forsaken, what it is to be loved, what it is to be full, what it is to be hungry, what it is to be poor, what it is to be rich. He he knows all these things. He's experienced these things yet without sin. We, on the other hand, we look to the world and we look at our surroundings and we make all these judgments and we even come to God and say, Lord, God, you... You reveal yourself to me and I'll give you the privilege of allowing me to become a believer. We forget that we bring nothing to God. There is nothing that we add to God that makes Him stronger, better, that makes Him more able to accomplish anything. We bring nothing to Him, yet He adopts us. We who are weak, who sin, who have deceitfully wicked hearts, who will compromise time and time again, who when we see that mirror of Jesus Christ in front of us, we say, oh, we are so weak. I think it's Isaiah who said, I am a man of unclean lips. Wow. Woe is me. And yet he adopts us. He chooses us. He came to us. Remember, For these last few chapters that the Lord descended from the right hand of the Father on high, He became a baby. He was born of a virgin because He reaches down to us because we can't come up to Him. And so in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, we see this being personally applied to you and me in our lives, in our walk. It says, Therefore in all things He had to be made like His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Here it is. Here it is, verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, what does it say here? He is able to aid those who are tempted. That's you and me. Because he's able to defeat what we cannot. He can go where we cannot go. He can do what we cannot do. And when we run to him and we seek him out, we come boldly to the throne of grace, like it said earlier, By faith alone, He comforts us, He leads us, He teaches us, He enables us. And then when we are victorious and we do well, we know it's His Spirit that's working in us to will and to do His good pleasure. And we realize we're not good, we're not great. It's Christ who's doing those things in us. That's when we can run to our Savior. Whatever it is you're going through right now, whatever trial, whatever temptation, whatever failure, whatever victory, whatever highest of highs, run to the Lord. Rest in God. Rest in Him. Because He has made a way for us to be victorious. 
and he fills us with his spirit because he told us crystal clear, apart from him, we can do nothing. We can cause a lot of havoc, I know that. But he can do incredible, amazing things through us. And so this morning, I want to leave you with these words from the Lord. Because this is what he tells us in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. He says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So if you feel defeated, like you just keep messing up, he knows. He knows. If you're like, ah, I can't resist temptation. Yeah, he knows. Run. Run to him. Pray that you don't enter into that temptation. His spirit, his work in us that is willing to do and able will continue to work in us, but our flesh wars against it, and it is weak. It will compromise. It will fail. But Jesus never fails. Trust in him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for this short portion of Scripture. It's so powerful, Lord. I thank you for reminding us that we are not the ultimate authority in our lives, Lord. You are. You do the impossible. And when we continue to stumble, you never leave us nor forsake us because we're justified by you. And I pray, Lord, that you would write that on the tablets of our heart, that we would leave here encouraged and and closer to you, more like you, Lord. We pray that you would receive all the glory for it, all the praise. And we thank you in advance for the work you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray with you. If you're not a believer, you want to become a believer, we can rectify that right now. We'll fix it right now. Come on up. God bless you and have a wonderful week.